Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. In Money and Me, I get tips on how you can grow your savings, make great investments, spot the latest trends on the stock market. Last week, Royston Young, author at The Motley Fool, joined me to tell me about those scams out there, investment scams uh, to help protect your money. He's back in the studio today and we're going to talk about how he went from headless chicken to author at The Motley Fool when it comes to investments. He's going to help us with his 3i philosophy approach. I like that. So you're a value investor. Uh, yes. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Good yes. morning. How was your weekend? Okay. I had a great weekend. Thanks. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and uh, today you're going to tell me you're a value investor, right? Yeah, that's right. You're not always. Uh, not always, yeah. I didn't start out that way. So um, I think I mentioned Hitler's Chicken last week. So what happened was I started out just trying out everything, you know, like reading up, doing IPOs, um, technical analysis, just um, trying out everything. Candlesticks, reading those candlesticks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so weird, weird charts. <laughs> so yeah, I, I tried everything in the end. I decided value investing was the way to go for me. Okay, so um, like everyone else, you started with the idea, what was your mm. horizon for making money immediately? Mm, yeah, horizon was pretty short at the time. So probably about like, you would think something like a few months to maybe a year. But then when you go for value investing, it's literally you measure your performance in years. Okay, so, share mm. some real life examples of successes mm. with value investing. Okay, well, I can share some of the investments that I've held for, well, many years. So one of them is uh, Suntech Real Estate Investment Trust. So I actually bought it at its IPO. That was in December 2004. And I've held it all the way until now, which is about 15 years. So I've got about, I would say, an average of about 12% total returns per year. That's holding it through all that time. You get all the dividends and the capital gains. and Just holding it. You're not doing anything else, but just holding it. Wonderful. Do you remember why you bought it back in 2004? Okay, that was actually my very first investment. So that's some sentimental value for me. So yeah, but then after that, once I realized uh, how value investing can help you over the years by just buying and holding, I just held on to it rather than selling it, buying it back, doing all the trading. 2004 Mm -hmm. till now, 12% return Mm -hmm. annualized. Mm -hmm. Any other examples? Yeah, I've got another. Um, I've also helped this company called Vicom. They're a vehicle inspection center. So I guess if you own a car, you have to go to Vicom. Okay, so I've actually bought it in about August 2011, held it about eight years. And I've got about total returns of about 15%. So that's because it has raised its dividend every single year. And then after that, the share price also went up along with it. So then you get both dividend increase and capital gains as well. Aren't you worried that we're seeing less cars on the road moving to a car light society. Yeah, but the thing is that less people are actually buying new cars, so they're holding on to their old cars. So in the end, older cars need more inspections. So actually, that's good for them in a, in a way. Love it. Uh, so you've got some examples of your own. Mm-hmm. Any other examples, maybe a company or any, any other examples? Those two are mm-hmm. terrific. Okay. Those two are terrific, by the way. Okay, let's, let's step back a little bit. So is value investing really about holding back the impulse to sell? Yeah, I would say value investing basically focuses on the business itself rather than looking at the share price every day, which you can conveniently just check your screen and take a look at it, right? So the thing is that if you focus on the business and the business grows over time, the share price will follow. The problem is people get it the other way around. They actually look at the share price and and the share price tells them, oh, the share price is going up. Therefore, this business must be good. 
But that's not always the case. So actually, it's where you take your cues from. You actually have to look at how the business is doing. And if the business is growing, it will become more valuable over time and the share price will go up. And how unique is value investing compared to other types of investment? I would say value investing is pretty rare. I mean, um, they've done surveys. It's probably like 2% of the entire population really? of investors. Yeah, that's because um, it requires uh, a certain type of temperament. Like, for example, you need a lot of patience. So you really need to be patient and not get anxious and uh, not panic when things go wrong. And you also need to have the discipline to hold on. Like no matter, you know, thick and thin through all kinds of economic cycles, you need to be able to hold on. And you also need to be a bit contrarian, meaning that if everybody says sell, you sit back and think, is it really right? Should I really sell? Or maybe I should be buying instead because everybody's panicking, even though the problem might be temporary. So it really depends on your perspective and how you look at it. So that's what's unique about value investing. Like I'm sure when you bought Suntech Real Estate mm-hmm. Investment Trust back in 2004, you held it all the way till now. Mm-hmm. Along the way, you must have seen it climb and think, mm-hmm. gosh, if I sold now, I could make so much. So <laughs> did you have a limit for yourself as mm-hmm. in, you know, if it goes beyond this limit, then I'll sell? Oh, Do you have no. those rules for yourself? Uh, the way I look at it is this. If the business continues to grow, and uh, it continues to do well. For example, its dividend is increasing. And for Suntech REIT, for example, if it's increasing its portfolio size, then I'll just go with the flow. That's how I call it. Because if the business is improving, then uh, my investment thesis will still be, I'm holding on to a great business, and therefore I don't want to sell it. So then I do monitor the business. I don't just buy and forget. I actually buy and monitor Okay, so you're monitoring the business again. Right. You're looking at different cues. Mm-hmm. And you don't have those rules for yourself as in if it goes up by a certain percentage, then I'll have to sell. Nope. No. Um, yeah, okay. I don't. No. Okay, that's great to know. So uh, what do we need to look at when it comes to the value investing point of view? I mean, how do we know this is a good company to invest in? Okay, so basically value investing involves analyzing a company Uh, So you look at the financial metrics, you look at the business model of the company, and at the same time, you look at the soft aspect. Is the management honest and candid? Are they trying their best to grow um, the business for shareholders? And then you also look at the plans and prospects that the company has. So it's actually an all-rounded way of analysing a business. You look at all the aspects of a business in order to determine if it's good or not good. Okay, let's talk about the three major aspects of investing in a company. The analysis of the company. And then, of course, there is this whole how do you build your portfolio Mm -hmm. and how do you manage yourself? So take us through Mm. those three aspects. Okay, sure. So uh, the first aspect would be corporate valuation and analysis. So I think this aspect, you need to know very basic accounting knowledge. Uh, It's not impossible, I think, for even non-accounting people to just read simple books on accounting just familiarize themselves with the major terms because basically accounting is a language of business. So in order to understand financial statements, you need to know very basic accounting. So that's the valuation and um, financial metrics and uh, financial statements aspect of investing. The second part would be portfolio management. So in order to manage your portfolio well, I always have the analogy of like managing a garden. For example, what we do is we always want to pull out the weeds right, and water the flowers. So uh, in a lot of cases, people don't actually do that. They actually sell their winners and they hold on to their losers. Yeah. So actually, that's a very bad strategy because over time, you end up with basically a portfolio of losing stocks. 
So that's the importance of portfolio management. You need to really hold on to all those great companies and then try and get rid of those lousy ones. And the third part, actually, I feel is the most important part is the psychology. Mm. So no matter how well you can analyze companies, how well you have your, your portfolio management, if you start to panic when things go wrong and start to just sell your whole portfolio, that's going to like totally destroy your portfolio. So like fear and greed, those are the two major aspects of investor psychology. Yeah. So then greed will be like, if everybody's chasing this company, you chase it as well without actually caring about what it's doing or whether it's even profitable. And then fear would be, if the market crashes, you just sell everything without even giving due uh, consideration to whether the company is good or not. And you can minimize those impulses, the fear and mm-hmm. the greed, by thinking strategically about how you get into the market. And that mm-hmm. is a whole overview of financial planning. That's where your mm-hmm. three I's come into account. Because yes. if you have all your liquidity invested in your investments, mm-hmm. then you're going to be watching the pot boil. You're going to be very <laughs> fearful yes. and you're going to want mm-hmm. to make a buck as soon as you can because mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. your money is there yes. but don't do that so you, your three I approach take us through that okay sure so so basically I have something called a three I approach it's not really unique uh, it's probably called something else on, on other websites but basically the first I will be income so uh, then the income basically refers to the savings that we have from our, our regular job or even bonuses we get so basically if you do not have savings there's no way you can invest so that's the first aspect you need to have second I will be insurance you need to have insurance to protect yourself in case of any diseases, in case of any accidents. In case you need long-term care. Yep. Uh, so you, that protects your money. And then the third part, the third eye basically is investments. So investments are there to grow uh, your wealth and also to give you a steady stream of passive income. So those are the three eyes that... It, it has to be in that order, actually. Income and then insurance and then investments. Okay, that's a whole mm-hmm. minefield though. Mm-hmm. Plenty of insurance plans out there and people, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to navigate all that. We're, and, and we'll do a show on that. Many, many shows on that. You know how you can compare your cancer plans or your long-term care insurance. People think, I already have Elder Shield. I don't need long-term care. No, you do need long-term care insurance and we'll tell you why in upcoming shows. Okay, and then of course, investor psychology. Mm-hmm. Any other tips there? Besides, don't watch the pot boil. Yeah, I would say investor psychology is a really important aspect. I, I can't emphasize this more. So the thing that I've seen with most investors is that most of them are impatient. They just can't wait for something to happen. So basically, if you want to see a business grow, you can't see it grow in one year. You have to literally wait for like three to five years to see it grow. And when it grows, it can actually give you really good rewards if you're patient. So the thing is that if you keep trading in and out, you also incur a lot of what we call brokerage fees. Every single trade gets you, sets you back by about $40. So imagine a stock goes from $1 to $2. I just hold it from $1 to $2. Rather than this guy who buys and sells it all the way to hits $2. So he incurs much more fees than myself because I just hold it all the way. Don't forget your fees are going to eat into your profits. Mm, that's right. People forget to factor that in, right? Mm. Okay, so what about compounding? How do we mm. harness the magic of compounding in this approach? Okay, so basically compounding, it's a very powerful way of growing your wealth. I think uh, Einstein says it's the eighth wonder of the world. That's why he called it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so basically compounding refers to uh, reinvestment of your money back into the stock market. So I'll give an example. So for example, you buy a REIT, it pays you like maybe a 5% dividend. So you put $100 in it, you get $5 after one year, and you take that $5 and you reinvest it in the stock market. 
Okay, that's just a simple example. So imagine if the amount was bigger, you reinvest the amount back, you grow the actual base of your investments, and in future, you get even more income from that, those investments. So then if you keep doing this over a period of like 10, 20 years, you grow your portfolio to a very sizable amount. Mm, use the power of compounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, banks use it against you with the credit card oh, payments. Yes. So you might as well <laughs> use it for yourself. That's right. Okay. How will value investing benefit someone in terms of investing for capital growth over time? And for dividends. Uh, okay, value investing basically looks for companies with downside protection. So um, you're trying to invest in companies that grow over time. So then when you put your capital in the company, the company reports higher profits, higher cash flows over time. Not only does the share price rise, but maybe it also pays higher dividends. So then you get what I call a double benefit. The share price goes up over time and you also actually reap more passive income from the company as well. So that's basically how you grow it over time. That's what I call mm. a double egg yolk mooncake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, what books? You're a reader. I know I mm-hmm. love reading. In fact, you have some books here with you. What books mm-hmm. have, have really um, helped you on your journey as an investor? Okay, well, the one I started out with, I think most value investors would have read is The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. So he's actually known as the father of value investing. He's also the mentor for Warren Buffett. I think everyone knows Warren Buffett. Everyone knows. Yeah. Then um, the other one I read is One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. He's uh, actually a very famous fund manager who grew um, his uh, Magellan Fund, I think, by about 29% per year from uh, the late 70s to 1990. And then uh, there's also this book by Philip Fisher called Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits. That's more towards growth investing. So telling you how you can buy, I think he held on to Motorola at the time uh, for many, many years and it, it really grew a lot for him over the years. And you have one by Maury Fatigue? Yes. So that uh, book is called The Seven Deadly Sins of Investing. That's more towards investor psychology. So then this book is interesting because I think it talks about greed, envy, gluttony, sloth and how it can affect your investments. Don't be a lusty loser, it says. <laughs> and don't let envy drive your investing decisions. I love this book. I'm going to check it out uh, at the National Library for sure. These days, you know, besides The Motley Fool, of course, mm-hmm. there are lots of other websites um, that, that bombard your emails saying, you know, subscribe to mm-hmm. us and we'll send you a monthly report. How do we evaluate which of those would be useful? Mm, well, I think it depends on your personal objectives because some of them would actually uh, go into more, um, I would say, speculative investments like maybe Bitcoin. They'll say that it can make you rich. So, of course, if you're not into those kinds of things, then it's better for you to just hold back. Then uh, there are others where maybe they can make a decent promise of maybe 5 to 7% returns. Then maybe it's something that you can check out because it might be pretty legit, I would say. Some of them are really trying to educate, which I think is fine. But if they're over-promising, then it ties back to what we mentioned last week, which is investment scams. It does sound pretty scammy if you're promising 20% returns, but you can't deliver that. Okay. So any final words for our listeners on scam spotting or value investing, Royston? Yes, sure. Uh, I think for scam spotting, uh, it's important to always know that the long-term return for the stock market is about 7 to 9%. So with that in mind, if somebody comes up to you and says, we can get you 6% per month rather than per year, then straight away the alarm bells will start ringing. So that's a very important thing to take note of. And when it comes to value investing, what I want to tell listeners is you can always start small. You don't have to have $100,000 so that you can start investing. 
I always tell people you can even start with one or five thousand dollars, and over time you just slowly inject it and slowly grow that pot of gold of yours. Yeah, and you can start today. We've loved having you here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. In Money and Me, Royston Young. You can read his work at The Motley Fool. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.